This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I deeply believe with perseverance, compassion, and creativity, there is always a path to healing, no matter how complicated or hopeless your situation might feel. Valeria Tejas interviews Scott D. Martyr, the author of Five Steps to Tame the Overwhelmed Mind, Unclutter Your Emotional World. Scott D. Martyr, MD, is a board-certified psychiatrist who graduated Duke University for his undergraduate education and received his medical degree from University of Rochester, New York. After medical school, he completed his internship in psychiatry at Naval Hospital, Portsmouth, Virginia, and continued his postgraduate training in psychiatry at Naval Hospital, San Diego, California. He spent seven years in the U.S. Navy, where he provided patient care in an outpatient clinic, consultation liaison service, and detention facility, as well as teaching psychiatry to the family practice residents. He was awarded the second annual Pfizer Psychiatry Resident of the Year and later received a U.S. Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal for Meritorious Service. He has been in private practice since 2002, which includes individual group therapy, hypnotherapy, psychopharmacology, and holistic modalities. Dr. Martyr's book, Five Steps to Tame the Overwhelmed Mind, offers a unique emotional map for overcoming old patterns. The theory behind the five steps is a visual method to not only show you how you get overwhelmed, but more importantly, teach you the way out of overwhelm and into emotional freedom. Meet Scott at scottmartyr.com. Here is the interview with Scott D. Martyr. In your own words, who is Dr. Scott D. Motter? <laughs> okay, uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, well, I can answer it in two ways. Um, on an intellectual level, uh, probably just tell you I'm a recovering psychiatrist, meaning that I've I am a psychiatrist who was trained in the regular fashion, but I've had to evolve my own way of doing things, yeah. kind of as time has gone on. Um, I'd also say I'm a truth seeker, a creative healer, uh, an artist, a writer. Um, but I guess the other way I would answer that question is maybe who is Scott Martyr really? And, you know, I probably would answer that in a different way because the truth is I would say I'm a mystery. I mean, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like all of us, we, we, um, we never really know for sure who we are because with every new discovery we become you know kind of a different entity and uh there's always going to be new things to conquer and 
you know, and I often wonder if who we really are has nothing to do with the name at all. It's actually the exact opposite, you know, and maybe to truly be, you have to be nobody with a name. Um, but for now, this is what I have. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll go with it. And it sounds very enlightening to me and clear when you say that the mystery of all of who we are, that resonates true to me. And then when you said earlier, being a true seeker, so I'm wondering at that level, what are you seeking? I guess I would say it uh, in one, one or a couple ways. Uh, the true self or the real self uh, would be what I'm seeking. And, uh, you know, and certainly I think along with that is, um, you know, I think all of us are trying to figure out how to find our way home or how to find out who we really are or try to get through some education of the soul while we're here. And, uh, and I guess there's a lot of ideas about how to do that. And, um, so I think ultimately that's what we're trying to do. Uh, and we just have different ways of doing it, different routes, different speeds, but we're all going to get there. Um, and, uh, so I think, yeah, I think truth is a good path sometimes because it will get you closer to your goal of the real self. Um, if you can, kind of negate what's unreal or what's what's an illusion or what's uh, a distraction and then you can get closer to who you really are have you found a clear path to finding your true self i think for now i have um i'm certainly open to <laughs> uh you know a different direction um you know life really can uh change even the events this last year i think are changing how people right are evolving and what, what they think they need to do. And I think this last year for me has been about going inside more and yeah, getting more clear about what that direction is and whether I need to, uh, you know, recalibrate in a different way or what maybe I'm actually doing the right things. I feel like I'm, um, most days I feel like I'm on a good path. Um, you know, everyone has a challenging day where you think, uh, you know, maybe I'm just not, doing the right thing or something like that. But it usually is uh, more of a lesson than anything else, not not about a mistake or anything. It's everything's a path from my experience. It has been. Yes, very true. So expectations about life at this time, what do you want from life? Well, I feel like um, as time goes on, I realize I need less. <laughs> which is kind of interesting because uh, I think there was a time my expectations were, well, you need to develop your reputation or you need to make a certain amount of money or have a certain kind of family. And and now it's all about simplicity. It's really about uh, realizing that you actually need very little. Um, what I think you do need is uh, time and space, uh, you know, freedom to kind of do the things you love, uh, freedom to, be who you really are, um, and, uh, you know, really embracing time. Uh, we all have limited time and I think we just have to make the best use of it. You can't do everything. So you have to really put your energy in right. what you feel is most useful for you and others. I agree. I love the way you say that. Yeah. Doing for everyone trying to find that way of living that's beneficial to all of us. That really sounds like wisdom to me. And that is my next question. How do you define wisdom? 
Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a great question as well. I um, you know, I certainly feel that uh, I wrote a lot about that in the book, and I, um, you know, on an intellectual level, once again, it's it's uh, it's kind of about um, knowledge and within the mind, and uh, and I think as time goes on, I realize that that has its limitations, and you know, wisdom of the heart is really uh, more valuable. It seems as time goes on, I feel like that will get you closer to the truth. Um, and, uh, you know, but certainly I, I'm very open to learning about wisdom in all ways. Um, and what I would say for me is it's really about, uh, you know, negating the unreal, really finding out what's not real or what's not useful and, and really focusing more on, uh, you know, what what really helps me um, kind of evolve and become a truer self. And um, you know, the word wisdom is, uh, you know, I think it can change over time. It's it's a, it's very it could be subjective, and it's true. All of us can identify with certain forms of wisdom, but um, but I also feel that uh, that can change as well over what's what really is uh, the best use of uh, of what we're learning as our life goes on. When you say finding out what's real, that's an interesting phrase. I'm wondering if for each one of us, everything, the idea of reality, it's different. Of what it's real, it's different. Would you say so? I believe so. I I can only talk from right. from what my own my own life so far, and I realize the things that I thought were important or real um, were a lot of times illusions. You know, certainly things change over time, and the things that you thought were so important that you had to get, or you realize it's just an illusion. And um, but I think it works that way somewhat for everyone. I I don't think anyone is born you know, with this wisdom, sometimes you just have to discover it for yourself, you know, after a journey through your own wilderness, which no one can, you know, take for you or um, spare you. And the wisdom really comes usually later on, uh, you know, and that's the point of view from which you come to see the world at last. And, uh, and sometimes that doesn't happen uh, for some people till much later in life. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all in this life. Um, I noticed some young people have a lot of wisdom that I'm amazed by because when I was at their age, I was very unconscious of so many things and they're very evolved. So I, um, but yeah, I, uh, I think it's just about, uh, we have to discover it for ourselves and, uh, it can be painful, but it's, uh, it can be really, really valuable. I love the way you talk about the wisdom of the heart. You just mentioned that. And that makes me think about what's real. That's real to me. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. I, I think it's such a great question. And I, I would say, for the, just to start off, just so we're clear, um, that mm. I was not present at the conference when God made, you know, <laughs> this plan for right. <laughs> for the life purpose so I, I i can't say what was really said in that meeting <laughs> yeah. but um but i think i mentioned before i i, I mean i 
I do believe it's about education of the soul. Um, and, um, you know, I think we're trying to find the truth in our own way and we're trying to, I guess some people would say they're trying to reach happiness, which I think is good, but I don't know if that actually gets us, uh, to the purpose of life sometimes, although some would say that is how we, that is the purpose of life, I notice. So there's a difference of opinion on that. I think for me, um, to even want to seek to know the significance of life is, is pretty good. The fact that you even want to know that is pretty remarkable. Uh, so I, I, I'm not even sure you have to figure out the answer, uh, you know, for sure. Um, but I think we all have to figure out our own path and what we're supposed to be doing with our life. and. Um, you know, I, I think for me, I just try my best to, you know, listen to the inner voice, um, and just, you know, re rely on entirely on that inner knowing, whatever clarity you get, uh, you know, your clarity of thoughts, your purity of motive, integrity of action. Um, and, uh, and I know that sounds so easy, but it really isn't. I, I, I think for years I struggled with that. I didn't know how to get grounded for quite a few years. And then when I finally figured it out, I understood that if you're in a calm and compassionate place, you actually can hear the voice, the inner voice so much better. And, um, and so I, I feel like people, people would like um, to learn about that. And certainly I try to share that as much as I can, um, especially in this past year when I think everyone is very, anxious and overwhelmed and trying to figure out their purpose. And I, I think that's like the worst time to figure it out <laughs> because, yeah, right. you know, your, your, your emotions are going to distort all your, all your, your thoughts. And, um, and I really try to tell people to be patient, you know, with this time period, because we're, we're just in a time of chaos right now. And until things can really settle down, it's just important not to make any big decisions, not try to figure out your life plan, just really uh, take care of yourself and, um, and try to get grounded, you know, in your, you know, by having a balanced lifestyle and, and maybe journal, but just not put pressure on yourself to uh, figure out your purpose uh, right away. Yeah, great answer. I love the way you started that, um, answering that question. Even by asking the question, it says a lot. What is the purpose of my life? That means we're becoming more conscious about being here, in, that we are here in the human body, and there's more to it than just doing the things we do, and striving to have a house, a car, family. So, yes, yeah. yeah. And I think you should do those things. That's important. You right. need to cover those bases because I <laughs> yes. think after you get to them, you'll realize there's actually <laughs> more to the story about <laughs> about what would, you know, what would truly get you uh, to a sense of purpose. Yeah. When you say balance, do you connect balance with healing? Definitely. Um, you know, anything that is used to uh, make us whole, um, which I think we're ideally after, you know, I, I think it's not easy to do, but, um, but yeah, I, I think what I mean by that is, um, taking care of yourself in, in a way where you, uh, really make some good lifestyle, uh, choices, um, as part of your daily life. I mean, I so often hear that people are so busy working their jobs that 
they can't even have a meal uh, that is more than five minutes. And uh, so, yeah, I I will talk about that for the probably the rest of my life. That uh, that your body's not going to heal until you you know treat it with respect and give it um, you know a sense that it's important and that you need to fill it with good energy, uh, whether it be by food, exercise, um, solitude, um, nature, um, you know, not just make your life about being in front of a computer. Um, I feel like that's really putting people in a negative spiral, um, you know, because it just, it just takes away from their body and who they really are. That's interesting. I call that um, self-love, practices of self-love. Yeah, no, that's a great term. Yeah, some people, they call it self-care. Um, you call it balance. Just um, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I didn't actually know I called it anything. Oh, <laughs> I, call, <laughs> life, I call it lifestyle uh, interventions, and uh, that's right. probably how I phrase it usually. But I think self-care is also pretty good, and self-love. Kind of makes sense, right? We are in the body, so it makes sense to observe the body, see how it works. We don't need anyone actually to teach us how the body works. It's so wise. And then pay attention and then go by that. The feelings, how it, we feel after eating something, after exercise. But as so many people say, common sense is not that common. And most of us don't follow that rule. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of reasons I hear <laughs> over the years. <laughs> right. And they're very creative. But, yes, uh, the excuses, right? That's okay. So what are some of the greatest misconceptions about emotional health, Scott? Uh, well, I would say, well, a big one I talk about in the book is that, um, you know, we all have emotions in our within ourselves, and uh, and I think this idea that uh, somehow the outside world is supposed to help us feel better, either by people or medicine or um, people agreeing with us or doing what we want. <laughs> you know, I I think the idea I try to get across in the book is that we're kind of responsible for taking care of our own emotions, and um, and I realize that's not necessarily the way people usually think about it because um they uh you know they kind of feel like they have a right to be who they are and uh why why should they have to change so um so i i do talk about that quite a bit in my book that um that if you're overwhelmed with certain emotions or you're trying to get out of certain uh habits of thinking that are negative uh only you're going to be the one that's going to be able to get yourself out of the ditch. Um, it's um, it's really no one else's job, not even your spouse's. And I, I know that can be shocking to people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because uh, I, I don't even think people know how to do that anyway. I mean, that's the thing. Even if you tell them that this is what you're supposed to do, they, they have no idea what you're talking about. So, right. but the book explains that. It explains how you're supposed to take care of your emotions, like you take care of little children. Right. And. Um, you kind of have to spend time with it and listen to it and uh, show compassion towards it and let it express itself. Don't judge it. You know, it's just, uh, it, there is a way to learn these things. I don't think you have to be born, you know, as an emotionally savvy person. You know, I think, I think you can learn these things at any point in life. 
And I, I feel like in this day and age, you, you almost have to because the world is just getting to a place where uh, it affects people in so many ways. And I feel like there's such a need right now to have some kind of internal order, even if there's chaos around us uh, that affects us emotionally. I agree a billion percent <laughs> with that message. It's a powerful one, a necessary one, that for some reason we resist to it. And we do put the responsibility on other people and the country, the world outside. But... Yeah. I often wonder if it's something we should even teach, you know, as part of like school education, because it just seems obvious that uh, that was never, that's never been taught in school as far as I know. And, and yet, uh, no one ever tells us what we're supposed to do with our emotions uh, as just preventative stuff. And I just feel like it would really save a lot of uh, challenging things that come up as a teenager if you actually knew what to do with your feelings from the get-go. And, uh, you know, because it just creates all – you have to learn the hard way usually, and it's very painful. Have you tried to approach the school system or – expand your work to schools, that would be an interesting purpose. It's definitely on my mind. I can't yeah. say um, it's been the first thing I would do. I think I have to get the book out first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is true. That has been one of the most um, uh, challenging adventures yeah. where, you know, I didn't realize what what I had to do. And it's taken a lot of uh, patience and perseverance and uh and I know once it's out, then all these other uh, possibilities will start to come into play more, meaning you know, the school option or teaching or workshops. And I, I feel like um, you know that's definitely on my mind. And actually, it was one of the inspirations for writing the book. Um, I, I mean, there were a few inspirations, but that was definitely one of them. I, I feel like back, I want to say – maybe 2009, 2015, that, that range, there were school shootings going on. And I just felt like there are so many angry teens. And I, I just felt like if only there was a way to reach them before they became teenagers, you know, if there was, because it's almost too late, you know, once, uh, once they're already thinking in terms of violence. Um, so, but yeah. one day, yeah, I love that you have that in mind. You're aware of that. That's a possibility. So you wrote the book, which it is on Amazon now, but you don't have the Kindle version yet, right, Scott? Oh, is that true? I yeah. um, I did not know that. I I actually thought we took it off the market for a little while while I was editing it, and so I um, I uh, am hoping to have a new edition uh, in, in the next few months. So I'm hoping that will be an even easier addition to read. So I feel like I've really gotten some great feedback on how to really simplify things uh, so that I wouldn't lose anyone um, in the early chapters. So I'm, I'm, but you're right, it is available, I think technically on Amazon right now. I think I see, but I think yeah, there's no option to buy yet. Uh, I see something red in there. Um, yeah, so it's unavailable for now, but it, it is there. So you wrote the book, uh, Five Steps to Tame the Overwhelmed Mind, Unclutter Your Emotional World. I guess my uh, first question about your book really is the mind. So what is the mind 
to you and how does it become overwhelmed? What makes it to fall out of balance? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. I, um, so yeah, I certainly could have taken uh, that approach with the mind in many different ways when I was thinking of writing the book. I recognize that you know nowadays we talk a lot about neurotransmitters and um, and regions of the brain that have to do with anxiety and and I and I certainly mentioned those ideas in the book. I think what I really had in mind in writing the book though was to take a more clinical approach about emotions. And uh, I really felt that um, that I wanted to uh, focus on three emotions in particular, which I thought were the foundational emotions of what gets us into trouble in our mind. And, um, and those are desire, uh, anxiety, and fear. And the third one was uh, hostility or frustration. And so these are the three I really focused on early on. I really felt like this was kind of like the engine that got everything started with our mind becoming overwhelmed. And what I ended up doing with those three emotions, and I, I realized it's, the book, as you know, is a very visual book, and um, and and yet we're only talking, you know, by words. So I, I have to kind of, you know, ask that if a person were to look at a triangle, for instance, um, and put those three emotions around a triangle, uh, there's a certain um, connection between those three emotions. And uh, certainly when a, you know, when a child is first realizing they're separate from the world, you know, around 18 months or so, they, they immediately are start to recognize that they have um, a separation and there's fear and desire and frustration that goes with that. So I feel like those are things that come with the package of, you know, being a human. And so what I came to really focus on was that triangle and how that triangle really became um, kind of like a way of looking at it was that these three emotions kind of interconnected um, and, and sometimes one led to the other and in in case of um, desire, sometimes the mo- you know the mother of anger could be unfulfilled desire, or sometimes the the mother of desire is fear, you know, fear that you're not going to get it. Um, so it just became clear to me that this is kind of like a pattern, and um, and so I um, realized I could expand the playing field from this triangle. I actually call this triangle the Bermuda Triangle. I, I'm sure you picked up on that in the book. And and the reason why I called it the Bermuda Triangle is I realized it's kind of like a treacherous, treacherous triangle to be in, and it's really uh, hard to find your way out of and um, very easy to stay stuck in almost your entire life between those three emotions. And so I kind of expanded the playing field to include other negative emotions. and And I recognized that as time went on, I could see that there's a vicious cycle between these three emotions, how one led to the other. And I kind of spell that out in, um, you know, in the diagrams in the book. And, and so in step one, I talk about, um, you know, fear and the negative emotions. And in step two, I talk about needs and desires. I really focused on 16 needs in particular, 
that usually led to overwhelm. And I also point out that some of these needs are not actually needs, but we call them needs because of our culture. You know, we have a very strong need for power and control. And we, and we think of that as a need, but it really isn't. It's really not the same as, you know, food or um, shelter and things like that. So I, I pointed that out. Um, and then the third thing, the third step is really about um, frustration and how that when we get our needs unfulfilled, um, it leads to all other kinds of reactions. And ultimately, it reinforces uh, the fear that we had in the first place. And so I, I kind of connected this into almost like a vicious cycle that self-perpetuates over time. And the totality of that whole cycle is what I call the overwhelmed mind. It's um, So really it's about unfulfilled needs along with the negative emotions. And, um, and it's like an electrical circuit that gets overloaded. And I realize that's, uh, you know, I don't have any, um, you know, evidence that that's how the brain is really functioning. But I do believe this pattern works for a lot of people. Um, and that's kind of what I based it on my own clinical observation that I, I saw that this was true for a lot of people, including myself, I might add, you know, I, I could see that. Um, so I really, that's kind of how I framed uh, the whole book was around this the whole goal of the book is how to get out of this Bermuda Triangle. Um, how do we get out of this false self uh, to the real self? And and that is really what the book is about. Um, and I kind of have these middle steps um, where I talk about the person gaining insight into their habitual thought patterns and how they um, have a lot of tried and failed methods and um really coping strategies that they've learned throughout life to uh, get through life. Um, but then I really take people towards the step of reparenting, which means not that your parents weren't good enough, but that it's your job to take care of these negative emotions. And and I try to lay out uh, in three pieces uh, how you do that. And I call it the three C's, which is uh, containment, connectedness, and creativity. And then I show you it's uh, how through you know a series of questions and visualizations how you can reparent yourself so that you can actually stop the bullet of the vicious cycle and kind of find your way towards uh, the positive side and start getting into more positive emotions. It's not that you're gonna do it in one swoop, but I, I definitely feel that it's a meditation that you could practice every day, and it could help you. Uh, I think almost anyone, you know, when they're having a tough situation that they just can't calm themselves down. Because even if you want to meditate when you're very upset, it's it's really hard because you're you have these intrusive feelings and thoughts going through your mind, and you may as well just go with them and incorporate that in your early meditation so that you can actually get to a calmer place uh, once you've at least not ignored these feelings. So I. I kind of lay out a workbook in this um, uh, book that I wrote where I have exercises and I um, really try to take it step by step with a lot of examples. Um, it is a self-help book, um, but I, I do think it's for people that really want to work on something that they already started working on. Um, and so I feel like the book is geared 
I want to say towards three groups in particular that I that I have in mind. You know, the spiritual seeker, the person that really is on that path and they want to figure out how to get um, closer to the real self. Uh, it's for people that just get overwhelmed with life and have anxiety issues. Um, and it's also for people that um, perhaps have a personality style where um, they have certain needs or expectations in life that aren't realistic. Um, and I think this pandemic really made that clear for a lot of people that the needs they thought they were going to be having in their life are not happening. And, and certainly everyone would wish or desire to have certain things happen. Um, but it's, uh, they're not entitled to it. You know, it's, it's, um, it really is, uh, our need to control things that is driving it. And it's not so much a need itself. And so I want people to maybe t get some awareness about what needs they really need in their life and, um, and be less selfish perhaps, or less rigid about how they go about their life. And I, I feel like that's going to be happening anyway in this, in the coming years, but I, I feel like this book is a, a good adjunct to uh, that process. And it is, I see as a compassionate work. So by going through the page. I love the illustrations, the images that you have created to everything. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun <laughs> yeah. to look at I, them. I found a really good illustrator. He really, I, I, the moment I met him, I knew this is my guy. He's, uh, and uh, he did a great job. We're almost at the end and I have so many questions here for you, but let me ask you a question about the needs um, for power. So that's something that you mentioned just a few minutes ago. That's not really a need. So what is your idea of power? What is power to you? So yeah, power uh, comes in a lot of different guises. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of spelled that out in the book. I talked about the need for control, the need to yeah. be right, uh, the, need, the need to have forceful opinions, the need to triumph, um, uh, and the need to win, the need to compete. So it's, um, you know, it's all, all those things. Um, but I, I suppose, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, a lot of our society is built on power, you know, and certainly um, there's always, um, we don't talk about it, but that's kind of what we're doing. You know, we're all trying to get into our best position in life, you know, to uh, have control over things. And, uh, and I actually think that's actually changing the pandemic is actually changing that power structure uh, very quickly about, uh, you know, how certain people have lost their power because of, uh, you know, certain situations beyond their control. Um, so that's kind of what I meant by power. But um, it's, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, the book doesn't really talk about power in a positive way. Right. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure there is a positive aspect to it, but that's not what I focused on. I, um, we have this idea that power has to do with uh, manipulation, control, force. But uh, yeah, to me, it's really inner peace. If you can free yourself from emotions, those, what you talk about, all these frustration, these uh, negative ways of seeing life and then that is that's power to me if you can do that. Yeah. Now I do. I I use the term empowerment. Um, right. Funny enough. Right. Uh, 
And that's a positive. Um, (laughs) But that's only after you've really moved your way up into the positive region. And that um, that's more uh, I like to think that's more when you've uh, really quieted your ego a little and it's more you're more in a humble position to take in empowerment, you know, and you're not it's not so much about what you want, but it's about um, maybe like a calling or a sense of um something coming through you that you feel called to fulfill and it's uh it's more of a higher calling empowerment so i I do use that term and i i I definitely feel like that's important actually to bring up i agree i love that word empowerment right which is accessing our inner power to me so it goes back to power but in a different way yeah it's not the way it is taught or has been taught so we're almost at the end i do have a few more questions for you the ending questions would you like to add anything scott or read a passage in your book um if there's time i would like to read a little passage in my book because i I feel like um it's something that i would like people to know and it's actually a little personal, but I feel like it's useful. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Yes, please. Um, this is actually in the introduction of the book, not in the version you have, but right. it's in the new version. Yeah. So um, I consider myself to have been a very sensitive child. I remember at age five, not knowing what to do with my feelings and trying to ask my father why I was more sensitive than my four sisters. I do not believe he knew what I was talking about, and he was not able to give me guidance whenever it would come up. Over time, I learned to internalize my feelings and pretend to the outside world that I was doing fine. The strategy of fake it till you make it seemed to work for many years until I completed medical school and started my psychiatry internship with the United States Navy, to whom I owed three years of service in exchange for their payment of my medical school tuition. For the first time in my life, I felt I was not a good fit for what was being asked of me. The internship had a high level of responsibility including my being on call every three or four nights without much downtime on other days. I was highly sleep-deprived, sleep-deprived, and this was combined with little hope for time to take proper care of myself. By the third month of my internship, my, the physical stress had taken its toll, and I had to be hospitalized for pneumonia. Like anyone under intense stress, I had the fleeting thought of dropping out and running away abroad. But of course, I still owed the Navy three more years. With the help of a good therapist, I was able to slow down and eventually get adjusted to my treadmill existence. Encouraged by the knowledge that eventually my life would regain a normal pace, I could see that there was light at the end of the tunnel. However, by the time I completed my stint in the Navy and returned to the slower pace of civilian life and private practice, I had developed more somatic stress symptoms like irritable bowels, issues, and food allergies, and I had lost my spiritual connection. Looking back at that period of my life, it, was, it is easy to see that I was overwhelmed more days than not, engulfed in emotions and stress that I did not know how to manage. And though I ultimately found my way out of it, I wish there had been more tools available at that time. This book developed out of that wish. Wow. Yeah, I love the way you're, you're very open. That's being vulnerable, which shows that humility that comes from the spirit to me. That's beautiful. Thank you. So I have a few more questions for you. Yeah, I'll ask you this one. What is success to you these days, Scott? Um, I think it's, uh, like I said before, it's, it's a much simpler idea than I had originally many years ago. 
I think it's more just about harmony between uh, my inner world and my outer world. And, uh, you know, this equilibrium that sometimes feels like everything is going just the right way. And at times I have this loving awareness of things. And I think being able to serve others with that awareness or that state of mind is really success for me at this point. Um, because I feel like that is, you know, that there's nothing more I could do th than that as far as being a healer. I feel like that is what ultimately you have to give is uh, just w from your heart. And uh, so I would say that would be success at this point for me. So two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Uh well, I probably would stop working. <laughs> yeah, In all fairness, I, I think that's probably not something I would be missing on my deathbed. Um, I, yeah. But I do think, uh, I mean, I do have a spiritual practice already, and I feel like that would take on more of a central role. Um, I, I guess I've had the misfortune, but also the fortune of, of uh, having friends who have passed recently in the last year or two. Uh, but they were very positive dying experiences, and and I learned from that. I really understood uh, that it really can be a very peaceful uh, journey where the person has a lot of gratitude, and they're really leaving on a very positive note. And so what I learned from that was uh, they spent their days, you know, chanting God's name. They were meditating more. They were reading sacred texts. They're, they're really staying close to God and, you know, staying in gratitude and grace. And um, I think that's all I would ever want. I mean, and having the people around you that, um, you know, they're kind of like your, your soulmates, you know, those are the people that you want nearby. So I think uh, it would just be about loving more and, and, uh, and getting ready for the big journey. I love that. That sounds like a gift, those experiences of witnessing that. Yeah, I really, I hadn't yeah. had any positive experiences <laughs> up until recent years. So I was really wow. uh, pleasantly surprised. My last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? That I know for sure. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually don't know that much. <laughs> truth be told, I, you can be a seeker all you want, but uh, the truth is there's so much to know. Mm, Maybe there really isn't anything to know, but mm. in my head there is. And so I, I think yeah. uh, I still feel like I really know very little. Um, and, may, I, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, I would say the power of love is the one thing of value in this world or universe. And I'm pretty sure that's true. And um, and then I also believe that we can never really obtain peace uh, in the outer world until we make peace with ourselves. And uh, we could talk about peace in the external world till the cows come home. But until we start doing some inner work on that, it's, uh, it's going to elude us. Yeah. So I would say those are three things. Thank you so much, Scott, yeah, for sharing what you know to be true, although you humbly say you don't know, but um, it really resonates true to me. And I love your presence, too. It's very peaceful. Thank you. 
Thank you for the work that you're doing, compassionate work and trying to help others to see the light, as we call it. Thank you so much for everything. I do have one more question for you. This is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, so right now it's very simple because it's all on one place, uh, one website, and it's scottmartyrmd.com. And you actually can't buy anything at the moment. Um, what you can do is um, read my articles. A lot of the articles uh, have a lot to do with the book. In fact, I would say almost 40% of the articles um, have a lot, have something to do with the book. And you can get a lot from the, the articles even before the book is released. And then I also have a wisdom library that you can sign up for where you can access um, different quotes from famous people. Um, I have like 250 people that quote on all different kinds of topics when they're over, when you're overwhelmed. And so it's a good resource if you're just looking for inspiration or with the book, it's actually going to be useful as well to have that library available. Right. Do you have any idea when your book will be available? So, uh, you know, the, I realize editing can go on forever. <laughs> True. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, I am, I am <laughs> starting to, you know, set deadlines and I feel like, uh, I'm hoping summer, It'll definitely be ready, but um, I can't. I don't want to give a date that's because uh, it depends on other people doing certain things by a certain time. So I, True. Uh, so I can't say that either. So yes, please let me know so I can update I will. the episode. 2021 for sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yes. Thank you so much again, Scott. And we'll talk All right. soon. Thank you. It was great. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Scott D. Martyr and his work please visit scottmartyr.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.